Good morning. So this will be part three of the series I began on the Drushe Pesach and Chsidis, how to look at Pesach through the eyes of and the lens of Chsidis Chabad. So it's really a somewhat of a summary of the different Mamorim, starting from the Alta Rebbe to the Rebbe. Including also the Mechtavim Klolim, the Rebbe's uh, letters that he wrote every year before Pesach, usually one or two letters, either Shchedish Nisni or Aleph Nisni, usually dated. So the first week I spoke, uh, gave an overview of the different Nisim, the different themes, and the focus I spoke there was about Ariz Gain from Mitzarim Vigvulin. That the central theme of Pesach is Mitzrayim Lashon Pesarim Begvulim, limitations, and the Kayach Anechi Hashem Alekecha, Sheisichemetz Mitzrayim, the power to go out of all the Hagbolas, all the limits and constraints of this world. Gashmiz, Beruchnius, the real meaning of Cherus. And the second part I spoke about, um, which was last week, I spoke about Matzah and Chometz, the central theme of Bittl of uh, Pesach being Yoni Bittl. What I wanted to cover today is the Indian of Birurim. How Mitzrayim plays a central role in the century the Avedis Adam Bechlal. And of course connects then with um, both what happened then and throughout history leading ultimately to the Gula Mitzvah Vashlema, which is like the second half of the Gula that's why the Haggadah is really split into two parts. The first half is mostly about Gulas Mitzrayim. The second half is about Gulas Hasidah. Because Kimet Seis Chemez Mitzrayim Aren and Eflois, the future Gula, which we're now on at imminent at its threshold, is compared to Gulas Mitzrayim in many, many ways. Goyal Rishon, Goyal Achren, Moshe, Mashiach, Shlach Tishlach. So I want to talk about that in a, from a, how Chassidus explains it in a deeper way, which also, just as the first two parts, teaches us why Sis Mitzrayim and Pesach is such a central Yom Tif. Rishon L'Regolim, there's no other mitzvah or Yom Tif that is mentioned more in Teda and in our mitzvahs and in our customs and minhagim we mention it every day in the Sheish Schiris and many more times. I mean, wherever you turn, you almost see it everywhere. I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere. Mezuzet, film, besides, of course, the Pesach itself. So, of course, begs the question what's, what's so central about it? Why is it more central than, let's say, Matmatera or Sukkis? So let's talk about this, the Birurim. The, the main sources of what I'm going to be discussing now is from Teir Eir, Pasha Vayeshev. Of course, also Pasha Shmeis. Um, especially Mamorim of the Rebbe Rashab, Hemshech Pesach, Tofre Samachtes, and the Friedrich Rebbe's Tofshintes. 
which is based on Tafri Samachtas. So, let's start with the, the Medrash. The Medrash says that uh, Mitzrayim, Golos Mitzrayim, and Golos Mitzrayim, Golos Mitzrayim, Zreshel Chol HaGolius. So, in other words, every Golos that we've been through, whether it's Golos Bovel, or Golos Parasamadai, or Golos Yovan, and Golos Edem, which is the Golos we're in now, is all rooted in the racial Cholagolius, the head is Mitzrayim. In the language of Kabbalah, that Mitzrayim is a klippa of Keser, the Golis and Keser. And Keser is, is the head, everything starts from Keser. So of Keser, and then you have the different Golias, each one covers a different, uh, especially in the Maimorim, Samach Tessa and the Tavshin Tess, talks about how each Golis addresses different Golis and different Midas or Meichin and so on. So that tells us that Mitzrayim has in it something central that happened there that really led the way both in the Golis level and also Golis Mitzrayim, therefore is also Reish L'chol HaGolis. That's why we say Kimet Seis Chemeretz Mitzrayim. Or as Chassidus emphasizes, Elamasei Bnei Yisrael Sheyotzum Mitzrayim. So the question is, what do you mean Elamasei? The 42 Masoyes, only the first one was out of Mitzrayim from Ramses. The other ones were in Midbar, in the Midbar somewhere. But because all the 42 Masoyes is always leaving Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim is the central place that we're leaving. So even when the last of the 42 Masoyes, Me'ever Liyadin, is also a Hemshech of leaving Mitzrayim. The simple explanation, based on what we discussed, is because Mitzrayim is Mitzrayim V'gvulim. So every Golis is, that's the Golis. The Golis is all rooted in the idea of Mitzrayim V'gvul. So, every, so all the all the Goliaths are rooted there, and the Gulos Mitzrayim is going out of Mitzrayim with Volum, so it represents the Gula from every Mitzrayim, including the other Goliaths. And then when you break it down, it breaks down into different categories, so to speak, different types of exiles, or I like to use the word displacement is the right word, you know, exile. When we say Golos exile, say, Mepnechateinu Galinim Arseinu, so we know that doesn't just mean physically leaving Eretz Yisrael, because you can be in Eretz Yisrael and also be Galina Marzenu. Because it's a Ruchanizdik Golis. It's not just a physical that we were banished from the physical land. So that's a, the general idea. But when you go deeper into this Bamarim, it starts talking about it a little more in depth. So we all know the concept in the Kabbalah, Chassidus elaborates, of Bidr HaNetzutzis. I want to talk about that a few minutes. I mean, something we use so often, bitter and tzutzes, bitter and tzutzes, refining the sparks, or separating. Bitter really means to separate, to clarify, and to refine, if you want the real English translations. Because bitter, like in Chuchle Shabbos, bitter is to separate. Or sometimes it means to clarify, levader, bitter halacha, for example. But also bitter here means that we're taking the sparks, the divine sparks that the Ebrister embedded in each part of existence. Everything in this world has a divine spark that gives it chayis. Mahava mechayim mechayim, as the Alter Rebbe explains in Shaykh Vamun, everything. It all rooted in the Chov Bezeisius of Teireh, which start with Asarim Amoris, and from there, through the Chilufim and Tmuris and Gematrius, every, everything in existence. It doesn't say Evan, for example, in the Saras Adibris. I'm sorry, Asarim Amoris. But in a combination of letters is there. So Evan gets its chayis from those letters. So everything in existence is a chayis al-akit. However, in Atsilas, 
the Kalim are aware of the Chayis Aliki. But in Bria, Yitzira, and especially in Asiya, Gashmis, Achumnis, we're not aware. Like we learned in the Basilegani, in Perik and Gimel, that Atzilus, Elam Ha'achdus, so it's aware. But later it becomes Nifrodim, which means in our Hergish, we don't feel the Lukus. So you look at a table, a chair, a piece of bread, whatever it may be in this world, it's an Aveda. That's why uh, Lechem is called from the word Muhammad. It's a Muhammad. Because it's a Muhammad to release and free the spark within. In simple English, it means to, to release the energy that's trapped in matter requires work. And that's what's called Birat Hanitsutsis. Okay, that means uh, it's working, right? Good. Um, so, more specifically, says that Izal, Birnitsutsis obviously is a ta- concept that exists from the beginning from Taylor itself. But the Arizal is Mairechanit, especially in Eitz Chaim. That the, the, where is it hinted to in the Taylor? So it's right in the beginning. Then it says, what does it say? It's maybe the most cryptic verse in all of Taylor. What does this mean? You know, the creation of heaven and earth. Okay, what's this? The Tayu, Vayu. And Cheshach, uh, and Ruach Halakim, and Merachefes, and Mayim. I mean, it's a whole very mysterious posuk. And you really can't understand it without uh, Kabbalah. Even though the Ramban and all the commentaries explain it, but in the day, what is it really going on? So we're talking about the Elamah Tayu. That's the first time we have Tayu. What's Tayu? Tayu, there's Eris and Kalim, but they're not, um, there's dissonance between them, there's tension between them. Eris Merubim, Kalim Mu'atim. So basically, they can't survive. And that's why there was the concept of Shvira Sakela. And that's what created Tayu Vavayu. Literally means uh, chaos or uh, emptiness, or the different words that Ramban calls it. The Ramban calls it Tayu from the word confusion. Matinus Odom and um, wonder. And from that, Shvira Sakela, which is, of course, not Begashmis, that created ultimately the scattering of the Nitzutzes. Because in other words, until the Shkiris HaKelim, the Eris and Kalim were speaking to each other. But imagine, if, let's say just an example, a good example for this is um, you have a, a book, a Sefer, and you have letters on the page, and the letters are conveying an idea, and someone then comes and tears up the pages. Or the letters can't fully contain the Eris, so what happens? And so now you have scattered all over torn pages, and uh, Veda now is to come and gather it together and re- re- uh, re- reorganize it, reconnect re- um, them all, all the p- dots. So in this world, that's exactly what's going on. There's Natsutsa scattered everywhere. Each of us is sent down Lamata to this world to find the sparks that are allocated to us. Where are they? Dashgachapratis of your life. Where you were born, what language you speak what ASIC you're involved in, the people you know, everything in your life, you're led there, in order for you to take those sparks and elevate them. That's the whole Yisod of it all. The Baal Shem Tov talks about it, Alter Rebbe. It means really, if you think about it, just another way of explaining what Shlichus is. It's to go everywhere in the world and, and find the sparks and gather them together again. 
La'asif, to gather them together. The Rebbe spoke about hakel today. Here's this year's Shnas hakel. The Rebbe said, "What's hakel baruchin?" It's exactly that. Hakla noshim noshim betaf is human beings, but it also refers to all the scattered and sparks that are everywhere. That's why the the Gemara says, "Siddhis brings." So, of course, the question is, what kind of zdok is that? Pizan ben umis is golos. Is golinim arzenus, mechpnei chatenu. Why is it such zdok? Because pizan ben umis, Chassidus explains, umis is referring to all the sparks that are scattered ben umis. And the zdok is us to be able to go there and elevate them. That's the zdok. The Abish gave us a bracha. Or it says, Kol is only the says Kadesh. What's the lashon? Um, huh? Yeah. What's the what's the, the lashon? That the whole Golis is not a Kadei the the Hesiv Gaden. What does that mean? We know, as a matter of fact, we're supposed to dissuade someone from becoming a Gaden. So here again, the Mitla Rebbe explains, based on the Alter Rebbe's Maimonim, that Gaden means they're in the Sutzis. That's what Golis is about. Now, obviously, in time of the Beis Hamidrash, it was easier Aveda because it was more Mesudr. Golis literally means that there's Pizran and we're all over. We are all over, the Eden, Mefuzr, Mefeded, Bein Amim, and the sparks are everywhere. So, we, so that is hinted to in the rest of the verse. So we said, Teyu Vavayu, V'cheshel Hapnei Sehem. We're going to go into detail, but basically it's a world that's dark and we don't see the light. Till the next posuk is Vayi Eir, Vayimena Lekimi Eir. And what comes next is Viruach Alekim Merachefes Al Pnei So the word Merachefes is what I want to focus on. What does that mean? So it means to hover. It's a Shveben in Yiddish. The Al-Dadizal Taichus Merachefes is made up of two words. Rapach Mes. That's referring to the Misa, Mes, Vayimlach, Vayomos, and the Pasha Vayishlach, referring to the Zayn Melochim of of Tayu, that comes from Esav, and the Vayomas is the Misa, but what's Mes? The Mes caused Rapach, 288 sparks. Those are the 288 that fell as a result of the shattering, the breaking of the containers and vessels of Tayu. So Rapach Nitzutzis is the general number of all the sparks in the world. Which doesn't sound like a big number, right? Because if there's a big world, you know, it seems like for thousands of years was trying to gather 288 sparks. That sounds like a lot of time. So Al-Tareb explains in Tereir and Vayeshev that I mentioned, he asks a question. Because Arizal continues to explain that when it says, the Erev Rav that when they left Mitzrayim, Erev Rav, what's Erev Rav? Rav is Reish Beis. So that's 202 of the 248 sparks. All the imam, they were miled that from Mitzrayim. So that's pretty good. That in 210 years in Mitzrayim, we were mevada 202 sparks. So the Alter Rebbe asks, so that sort of seems strange. In 210 years, you're only elevating 202 sparks. And since then, we're already now, the Alter Rebbe's time is a little less, but now it's already 3,335 years later, and we're talking about only 86 sparks. Pave off. Some places, there's a Maimel, the Hoven Inyan, the Kichas in Anchechaya from the Mitla Rebbe, the Rebbe Chazid in Tavshin Chof Gimel, I think. And um, where he says that that's why we only have 86 Mitzvah today. In other words, after Churm Baisa Migdash, most of the Mitzvah 
are connected to Tluiz Bemigdash, Tluiz Ba'oritz. It's a whole shock of Italia about, is it actually 86? The Rebbe actually, when, they print, when the Maimah was printed, the Rebbe said to gain is the Maimah because of that. They couldn't find a source for it. It's not in the gear right now. Pale Mamish, there's 86 parks. The Alta Rebbe asks, why does it take thousands of years to be Mavad at 86 parks? And his answer is a double answer. It's two parts. First of all, the Neshama is then when Neshama is Klolis. So one Neshama had the power of many. Today it's Neshama's Pratis. Like he explains in Periklam and Zion and Tanya, it says Shishim Ribi Asis Vatayr, Shishim Ribi Yisrael. There's much more than 600,000 Jews. Because those are Neshama's Klolis. By the time of Matan Tayr, by the time of Yitzis Mitzrayim. 600,000 men after Ben Essen, between 20 and 60. But the Neshama's Klolis. But the Neshama's break down. So Neshama Klolis can do a lot more Birur in shorter time than Neshama Pratis. And the Nitzutsas are also that way. The Nitzutsas are also Nitzutsas Klolis. Because there's a lot more than 288 Birurim. So there's 288 categories, so to speak. And they break down into thousands, millions, billions even. So that's why the Neshama's Klolis then had the power to be Mavada. This explains another thing, which is just Agav. It's a good thing to know, because a lot of people ask the question, why don't we make a, just like this Tisha for Churm Beis Amigdash, why don't we commemorate the Holocaust? Why don't we make a, a, a sad day for the Holocaust? A Yem Or the same thing with the Herzolos. Every Herzolos. The only Pesach and Purim Mechanika. What about all the other miracles that happen? So the, so the Rebbe, based on this Tereir, in, in Purim Tavshin Tazayin, explains, if you want to look it up, it's very interesting, Sikha, because the same idea. Indeed, those Yom Tevim are not just for them. They were Neshama's clothes. So whatever they went through, Contains in it everything we would go through all of history, like Maisa of a similar bonim al So the Holocaust, actually, in Tisha B'av, we do commemorate the Holocaust. We commemorate every churban, not just the churban by Sishna and by Sheni, the very idea of Helen of Elikus, which is the cause of the churban, and the Mele, every Helen throughout history is a so called a prat in Tisha B'av. And the same thing with every goal is a prat in Yitzhak Mitzrayim, based on this Tere uh, Er. So it's just an interesting uh, way of looking at it. It's not like, okay, their, 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 holiday, their, their events mattered and our events are, are, are trivial. No, it's, it's a prat and a cloth. Okay, and that's, of course, that. So when we celebrate Pesach, we're not just celebrating Yitzhak Mitzrayim, we're celebrating every Yitzhak from Mitzvah and Vigvul. So that, expl- so that establishes a pach, is the 288, 202 when it's battered in Mitzrayim, which explains right away why Mitzrayim is racial kolagolis. Because Mitzrayim was a klal. When the Shomis is everything that happened to them gave koyach till the end of history. That's why we say, Kimet seis chemeretz Mitzrayim. Elamase b'nei shal sheyotsu mitzrayim. Anechi Hashem alekecha. Sheyotsi chemeretz Mitzrayim. How does it suddenly come in Aseris Adibras? Because Aseris chemeretz Mitzrayim is not a one-time event. Every event in history is a continuation of the Birudim uh, that happened back in then and continue. And as long as we don't evade all the Nitzutzes, the 202, still not all of them. Another point that needs to be made, what, what do you do when you want to uh, clean up a mess? Right? Usually, how do you clean up a mess? First you clean up the easy part and you leave the last part for the end. Like you clean out the bottom of a pot, that comes at the end. Or you have tangled wires, first you untangle the easy parts and then you're stuck with the last pieces. Which also is, explains that the Nitzutzes that were in his bottom back then, 
were easier in the tzutzis to be mitzvahs. And as the generations went on, it became more difficult in the tzutzis, more darker, harder. That's why we have today a matzav of Tenekesh Shanishbu. We don't have, we have, the challenges today are far, far diff, more difficult. So in the Khanami, they were higher in the Shamas, but they also had, they, they did the so-called Bidurim, the easier ones. Today you have to deal with Bidurim that are very, very dark. I once heard a, there's a Moshul from the Mitla Rebbe, based on this Moshul, once heard, it was just well said, so I want to just hazard it over. It's a very interesting way of looking at things. The Mitla Rebbe has a whole Moshul about people who live under, under the ground, and uh, the Rebbe brings it sometimes, and uh, they live under the ground, and they forget where they come from. And bottom line is that each generation is more d- darker than the previous one. But let me give you an example as I heard it, based on the Mitla Rebbe's example. Imagine uh, you, know, you send out a, a team to excavate uh, diamonds. So diamonds are found to go into very deep caves where there's coal and there's other uh, rock. And it's dangerous. To, mining is dangerous. So you have to go into these deep caves and find the, the, the diamonds. So you send out a whole team into these caves. So part of the team, they find the diamonds that are easy to see. Others have to go deeper in and even more deeper. Now what happens... Those that are, find them right away, they come back, they found their diamonds, they did their job. The ones that are deeper in, it's more dangerous, and they have work harder, and they also uh, can, uh, can be sarconis involved. Danger. As well as the fact that as they come out, they're probably going to be more dusty and more covered up because they, don't, uh, they had to work underground. It took a longer time. What is the, the, the most precious diamonds are the ones that are in the deepest parts of the caves, and there, the biggest danger, and when the miners come out with the diamonds, they're completely covered in dust, you can't even recognize them. So the Moshul that was given was that through the generations, it's exactly what the Ebershtid did. When he created the world, the Rapach and he scattered them all over the world. And the earlier generations, which had a lot of strength, they, of course, found the most obvious diamonds. As the generations went on, and the Golas became harsher, and in Golis itself, in Golis Edem, you can't compare the, right after Churm Beis Amigdash to the later generations where assimilation and everything we have today. So to the point that sometimes, like the Friedrich Rebbe says, B'Shem Yisrael Yechuna, you can't even recognize a Jew. He's completely covered in dust. Because the Jews that are in families and homes that are so assimilated or even intermarried, you, know, you almost don't see that there's a Jew left. But the, but the Nisham is always there. And they are in a place in the deepest part of the cave, and it's the hardest birut, but it's the most precious diamonds. And that's why the Alter Rebbe says that the Moshe Rabbeinu was an honor of Mefnei Kol Adam, because he saw the last generation of Ikvus of the Meshicha, that with all the Nisenus, and all the Halamas, and we don't have miracles, we don't have the Giluim, that they were there by Yitzis Mitzrayim, or Matantera, and earlier generations, and we still, there's still Eden that are standing and trying to go to Shul Yom Kippur, whatever effort they make, for him that was a real, that was, that was the Anova, Anova, because he's blown away by that. That there's still, because the, those sparks are the most precious ones. So in a sense, the Nitzutzes get more difficult as it goes on. That's why the last sparks 
may just be the last ones, but they're the hardest ones to find because they're in the darkest places. So it's not a coming to explain or justify assimilation. It comes to explain after the fact that there's a chfivus. I remember hearing once from Shalom Ber Vashetsky, he worked in Hadara Teira in the early years. So Hadara Teira is the first Baltruvi yeshiva here in Crown Heights. It was established in the early 60s. And was, um, you know, then America was going through upheaval. And there was the, the hippie movement. But that never made it into something that the young are very receptive now. So there was a lot of rebellion and there was a lot of, a lot of uh, Ibekadnish revolution going on. So around that time, the, the Hadalatera was um, founded. They saw Jacobson, no relation to me. He was the one that was established it, of course, under the Rebbe's direction and Hadar's. But it was very controversial. Because remember, until that point, yeshiva was a yeshiva, usually of Bochrim and uh, or the girls' schools, that were from uh, Anash. And here you're bringing in people who were completely born in a very different environment. And I remember, even in my day, in Maristan, there was Tefez Bachurim, the Baltruvi Yeshiva, and there were those that said, we have to keep our Bochum separate from them. I mean, where their Cheshbon was, I mean, they're, not, they're not born Betara, uh, or other things, uh, different Nisianists, as if Kav Yochel, we are like the Holy Ones, but, okay, that's what they, that was the perception. The, the culture, the society, today it's, uh, I think, more surprising probably that you even hear this, but there was attitudes like that. And I heard Mamash the story, but it's just a tremendous maise. So it was a guy, one of the guys from, uh, I don't know the name of the person, wasn't told to me for obvious reasons. He was in Yechidus by the Reb. And he, uh, I don't know, he expressed himself very negatively about Hadar Atayra. I'll say what he said. He said something very sharp to the Reb. He said that people are wondering what this, this is, bringing all these hippies and all these or whatever you call it. He called them the Mishkev Zochernics, basically homosexuals. That's what he called them. As he said, Mishkev Zochernik, bringing them into our community. And this is what happened. Listen to this. You won't believe this. The Rebbe stood up. The Rebbe said like this. Um, he said to the Rebbe, the Elam Ret, in other words, about this, this why, why we established such a yeshiva here that's bringing all these dark elements into our community. The Rebbe stood up, and he put his hands on the table like this. And we know when the Rebbe did that, he was usually very upset. I heard this from Maskiris. And he said to him, You know, he said, He says, Twice the Rebbe said. The Rebbe said, That's what the Rebbe said. He was drawing out Yoker, the precious from the, from the dross, from the zelo. So he realized suddenly this guy, that the Rebbe, he's, talk, he's, he's talking about the Rebbe. It was the Rebbe that established this yeshiva. He didn't realize. And he said to the Rebbe, you know, Meret, such an expression. So he pushed it, was so overwhelmed, he ran out of the Rebbe's room. He pushed it, ran out, because he couldn't stand it, he was so embarrassed. And he meets Rabbi Shevashevsky across the street, the Eastern Parkway, across the service lane. And he's like, like pale and... and, and Rabbi Yosheski says to him, what happened? He says, I was by the Rebbe, and I told him exactly what happened. He says, you better go back. I don't know if he went back or write a letter, you better ask Mechila, because the Rebbe's Mason, the Rebbe's saying this, and I told you that. So he did that. I don't, you know, the end, I'm sure, the Rebbe was Mechil him, but I just point out that the Rebbe said, you know, 
like, you know, it was like, and Maitzi Yochum and Hazel. Why? Because they never looked at the exact opposite. This is the Nitzutzik Dusha. They just fell in a very dark place, which, of course, was a revolution because most Frumidim don't see it that way. And today, this is common. For us, it's common. An Hashem is an Hashem. It doesn't matter how far it fell. Obviously, it's sad to see Atinik Shanishba. It's hard. sad to see intermarriage, sad to see all the assimilation. But at the end of the day, that's the job, is to find those final Nesutzik Dusha. Echad mehem golad lebarbarye, lesamatye. You know the famous language in Medrash that Rebbe quotes often. Pizran ben Umis. So essentially, Mitzrayim is the beginning of this process. What we're doing today, we'll talk in a minute about the end of Biran Nesutzik that the Rebbe called, that it's finished. But what we've been doing through thousands of years is essentially the story of Mitzrayim. So it's not some disconnected story. And it adds a whole other dimension. You're sitting by the Seder and saying that God, so yes, it's a Zechli Tzitz Mitzrayim. That's one aspect. But we all know that we're recreating it, we're reliving it, and it's what's happening now. Every Prat that happened there is supposed to be happening in Ayurveda now. And we understand the concept of Biru Nitzutzis in this sense that that began the 202 Nitzutzis. And now that continues, gives us the Kayach for the rest of the sparks. It changes the whole way of looking at the, the relevance of Yitzis Misayim and Pesach today. So continue the theme. So you go to the Maimorim, I'm now talking Samach Tess and Tovshin Tess. Really powerful Maimorim. If you have time, you should definitely check it out. Because it also especially in Tavshin Tess, um, where he's Meirich on it, he t- explains what is the last, so what is Taka the Nitzutzes today? So he says there that the last two Goliaths, so we went through Goliaths, Bovel talks about that. If I recall correctly, Mitzrayim is Keser. I think Bovel and Modai and Poras and Yovan, I think he connects to the Chochmechen and Midas. And he says the last two Goliaths in our time is what? Is Golis Eden and Golis is Shmol. Interesting. And this is known in Chesidus that the last two Golis. So, you know, some people say, where is Yishmol? Well, first of all, look, Israel is surrounded by Yishmol. Um, and Eden is the rest of the world. Eden is Remi. Esau is Eden. Esau is Eden. Who is the grandson of Eden? Of Esau of is Magdil Zuremi, as the Rashi says at the end of Ayishlach. So Rome, which is essentially the beginning of the Western Christian world, is the children of, of Eden. Golis Eden is the Golis of uh, the Western world. I mean, if you look in the way that al explains it, that there's the Golis Tachas Ayishma'elim, which was under the Muslims, and the Golis Tachas Eden, which is under the Christians. Interesting thing, the al says in a Maimer, that why Ashkenazim have more Chumris than Sfardim. You see Pesach, for example, in other places, it says because a Chumris comes as a result of the, of the Pirtzis, of the Xeris. So you need a Chumrah, because Asyu Seyog because, you know, Motsabika is also a Geder. So the more Chumrah shows that there were more challenges. That's why they needed Chumrah. Where were there more challenges? In Golis Edem, more than in Golis Shishmo. Because the Ishmaelim were not as harsh on the Eden as the Christians were. Interesting part from the Alter Rebbe. So these two Golis are the two main Golis in the last few thousand, well, I'll say after Churban Bayashani. With most of us really in Golis Edem. But remember, the Eden living in all the, in all the, uh, the, Spa, the Svardashir countries, under Spain, when Spain was the Moors, and of course we're talking about all the Arab countries and so on, 
That was Yishmael. So there's the two Goliaths. So he explains there that Golis Yishmael and Golis Edem and Golis Yishmael, the two last Goliaths, is Netzach and Heid. They correspond to Netzach and Heid. And the Fidika Rebbe says, and the Rebbe Rasham, the Fidika Rebbe elaborates, that Netzach and Heid means we don't have Giluyim like Ava, Vayirach, Chest, and Gvura. That was the Zman Abayis, or the earlier Goliaths. Now we have Netzach and Heid. Netzach is the Midas HaNetzachan. Mom is the same atheist like in Maim Abbas Ligani. The, the Anshe Chayel, the simple soldiers, they don't need to have all the Giluyim, they don't need to know all the Cheshbenes, they just have a persistence, a persistence of Midas HaNetzachan, we have to win the war. And what's the word? Finishing the, the bir, last birudim in Golis. Heid, it's from the word heida. Heida is doing it with Kabbalah self. Again, you don't need to have the seichel and the midas and all the keiches agluim. It's heida. And Netzach and Heid is the last bir, the last aveda in, in Golis. Which, of course, explains so many things of how, what is expected of us. This doesn't mean if you can, of course, we have, we still have a mitzvah of Avis Hashem. But the Ikra Veda, the Alter Rebbe says in the Geras Akedah, the Ikra Veda today is Tefillah, or Tzdoke. So bottom line is that, that the Ikra Veda, it says, is Netzach and Heid. And that continues, because in Mitzrayim began with Keser, the other Goliaths went through the different Madregas, and now the last Birurim is Netzach and Heid. If you look at the whole Rebbe's Nesias, and look how much the Rebbe builds on Basilegani, which is essentially the theme of Netzach. But also the idea of Heid. Are you not holding by the Madrega? What the whole concept of Shlichus? The Rebbe didn't say you have to be a Sholem in Ava and Yira before you go on a Shlichus. There's work to be done. Haidah, Kabbalah Sale, and Netzach, persistence and consistence. By modern, you have an understanding of a, the context of things. I'll just say the Milsa. I did research on this when I, back a few times. Tafri Samachtes was the was the English year. Tafresh Ayin was 1910. Tafri Samachtes was 1908. Tafresh is essentially 1949, right after Israel became a state. Um, I noticed this because I remember when the Rebbe said a Maimon in Tafresh Mamalaf, I think, it was the first intifada the first attack in, in Nez Yisrael, terrorist attacks. And the Rebbe said, basically, Chazid, I think it was Pesach, Memalaf, I'm almost sure, maybe Membez, I don't remember positive, Memalaf or Membez. And he spoke these by modern. So, you know, we always knew that the Rabbeim, when they said a Maimer, was often was connected to the time. It was like a birur of the Avir, Zichuch Avir. And I, so that's when I went back to Tov Shintas and then Tov Shintas, and I saw that all of the, these by modern were said in times where there was a major shift in the, in the, in the, in the world of uh, Golis Yishmael. In 1908 was the beginning of when the Ottoman Empire, the Ottoman Empire was the last real Yishmael empire. They controlled a big part of uh, the Middle East, they controlled Israel, they controlled that whole area, until Great Britain took over by World War I. So the Ottoman Empire fell approximately then. Tavshin Tess was right at the beginning of not that it was recognizing the state of Israel, but beginning of that Kufa. And Tavshim Amalef was also. And I, and, I, and I noticed that all three times that Abayim spoke about Birur of uh, Yishmol. So I'm not saying I know for sure I didn't hear it from any uh, source, or I didn't hear it from the Abayim. But interesting, it's hard to imagine that it's uh, about random. 
just happens to be. Because the fact is, when the Rabbeim said a maimer, a maimer was a way of giving an asinus keach for the bitter of that time. Interesting, until September 11th, when uh, Osama bin Laden and the Muslims attacked the World Trade Center, I can tell you, most people didn't talk about uh, Yishmael too much. Why? Because it was an issue in the Middle East. It didn't affect America. It affected Jews because they were in Israel. But after 9-11, you know, I don't know if you guys remember, maybe you're too young to remember, but I can tell you from my work, suddenly there was a fascinating interest by everyone who wanted to understand what is this Muslim world? What do they believe in? Because here they, came, they brought it home. They attacked America. And everybody, even till this day, Books were selling off the shelves to understand Muslim philosophy and so on. What's their thinking? What do they want? Because it was not understood. What do they want? It was like Mamish, what it says in the Tehri, Yishmol, Yodeh Bakel, Viyad Kol Like Hefke, like Vil. You know, what, usually you attack a country, you, know, you attack the, the World Trade Centers, you're beginning an assault on all of America. But we know they were not going to attack America. So what, what was exactly the Kavon? I don't want to go into it right now. I've written a lot of articles on this, but my point I want to make is that the Maimonim come alive when you actually look at the events in our time. What do we have today? Matzav. Mamish that. Who are the two last so-called powers? There's the Arab world, especially the Abish that gave them oil. And there's the, the Edem. Edem. So when the Rebbe said in Tav Shinun that Russia fell, and people wondered, what was the big thing? Russia fell. So Germany fell after World War II. And other uh, empires fell throughout history. Why was the Rebbe so that Russia fell bloodless, the Soviet Union? Because Soviet Union was the last empire of Golis Edem that was, 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 that was Miyasa, that Gepainik uh, didn't. America is also Edem. But America is Edem of Chesed, a al Chesed. Look what it does for the Jewish people. It welcomed them. The Soviet Union was a prison. The Jews suffered tremendously there. The Rebbe always would say, 70 years, 70 years. And all of that. So but the Rebbe wasn't just a small thing. When you understand these Mamarim, you understand Edem represents what, 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 Esau. And what is Esau? The antithesis to Yaakov. Two nations inside you, the Ebrister says. So it's not just a small matter. Going back, Mamish Yaakov and Esav in the womb of, uh, of uh, Rivka, there's already a battle because the battle between Edem and, and, and uh, between Yesav and Yaakov, Edem and Yisrael. So these battles, when the Rebbe would speak about all the times about the Birurim are finished, he always quote the, the Yaakov of you know. Then when Yaakov met Esav after 20 years, what did he do? He wanted to see if, if Esav is already in his body. Because he thought the Esau was ready to go to the Gul, and then he realized, no, he's not. So that's when Yaakov said, even though he reconciled with Esau to some extent, but we have to go slowly because the Berurim are not finished. When the children will grow older, and the Tzayn Rakis, etc., will ultimately come, as Rashi brings in Vayishlach. And then the Rebbe says in the famous Vayishem Nun Beisiche, that that was then. The Alter Rebbe opposed Tzorfas. Tzorfas was Eden. Tachlis of Eden, Yadi, godlessness, and it was the Eden were not ready yet. Even though Begashmis it would have been easier, but, this, but Russia, the Tsarist Russia was more difficult physically, but spiritually it would not have compromised the Eden so much. And then the Rebbe says, now seven generations later, we're ready to be Mavarir Eden, Sarfas. 
the whole sikh in Vayesh of Nunbez, which is, of course, a chidush, also one of the biggest chidushim, because Mamish, the Rebbe is saying clearly, the Alter Rebbe, not that Chazrushon, the Alter Rebbe would have done exactly as the Rebbe did. But the Rebbe is saying there's a shinu in Zman, Shmishinia Tkufa. So the whole Ishtalsus of Birudim are right here in the story of Yaakov and Esav. It's Edem and Eden. When you throw in Yishmol, son of Avram, you have an additional element, and that's the last Birud. So it puts into context, if you think of Yitzhiz Mitzayim in that historical context, you have really an unbelievable story. I'll share with you this. Um, I may have, maybe some of you heard this before. I found a settle out of the blue, I don't know where, something came my way, a, ksav, a, ksav, a copy of Aksavyat. It's probably in Mefursim already. To Harav Zev Greenglass, all of us all. Mashpia, the Makubal of Montreal. He writes to the Rebbe, from the Ksavyat, it's Nikir, it's around Tov Shin Mem. I can't say for sure, but I, being so familiar with the Ksavyat, it looks like Tov Shin Mem. He writes to the Rebbe an interesting shayla. He says, now Maimer, a Pesach Maimer, actually, I think the Hechrim, from the Rebbe Marash. He writes that the Maimer says the following words. He's writing to the Rebbe. That, Af shiyod, uh, that, that Avram was mispal for his son Yishmol. Lu Yishmol lefanov. He wanted Yishmol to, to inherit him, to continue. And Af Avram Yishmol Still he was mispal. That's what the Rebbe Marash adds. That even though Avram knew what Yishmol would do by Achris Hayomim, it's an interesting statement. What means Achris Hayom? What would Yishmol do? This is Shimem. We're just talking about it. Was a, and he asked the Rebbe, what does it mean? And he says, maybe it's the Kavon is the Zayar Seif Pasha Ve'era. And the Rebbe adds, the Rei Zayar Seif Pasha Bolok, the in Gimel Yem Gimel de I don't know if the Rebbe writes Yem Gimel de but he writes Bipiut Yisrael Nesha, which says what? It says, um, it was the Lashon, Kilo Seir Vichamose, right? That, that Seir, which is Edem, and Chamose and his father in law, Yishmol should be Kilo, should be, it's a, it's a hints to, they should be Kilo, means the Kiloim, they should be, they should be annihilated. So the Rebbe writes. Think about this. So you've got to see the Zayar. We don't have a lot of time. I'll just hazard the Zayar very briefly. The Zayar is mind-blowing. Look in Zayar, say, Pasha Veda. Mom is the last page. Then look in Bolok, with the Rebbe adds, and then the, the, the Piyot. And the, then the, the thing that really struck me was the Oveid become Mekemus or, or something like that. It become Mekemus. In other words, it wasn't a small matter. The Rebbe was saying this is a Yuduadik Inyan for those that know. In other words, the concept that Yishmol would do something and nevertheless, Avram was Mespal for him is already hinted to in all these areas. What does it say in Seif Pasha Ve'era? Briefly, it says the Sar of Yishmol comes to the Ebishter and says to him, Enochanami Yitzchak was Nimal Lishmeni Yomim. But Yishmael was Nimal Shleishas He was 13 years old. So he also gets to have Kshar for Bris. So Abishta says, you're right. Since his Bris was not like Tomim, eight days, it was only a 13 days. So I'll give him Kshar for 400 years, I think he says. He'll have control over my land, Eretz Yisrael, for 400 years. So the Zayar says. After the 400 years are over, he will lose control over it. Yishmael, Bnei Yishmael, of course. And then there'll be a Mohammed 
between Yishmael will attack Eden, and who will come out, Yisrael, Eisachayel, Eden will come out on top, and then the Geula will come. That's what it says in Zayah, Seh, Pasha, Check it out, I'm not making it up. Now this is Isaiah that is talking about at least 2,000 years before Achus Hayom. In Tzayf Pasha Balak says something similar. When the towers fell in 9-11, people were quoting the Balak. I hadn't seen that settle yet, I don't think then. In Balak it talks about that. There'll be a Bechama between Shmal and Edem, and towers will fall. And the Rebbe Tzaychen is that Zayah. I'm just telling you. And then, of course, Yisrael Nesh. I mean, the Fakila Sevech Hamase tells you something right away. And there's a lot to say on this topic because um, you start looking into it. What's the story with Esau and Yishmael? There's a whole story with Keturah. Not Keturah, I'm sorry, Machlas. Um, that Yishmael first, that Esau first went to marry the daughter of Yishmael. And that didn't work out. And then later he married her later after Yishmael died. So there's a whole lot of Barbanel that talks about how this caused so much problems later in history. The bottom line is, the bitter of Yishmael and, and Edem, but Fedish and these Maimorim, is essentially where we're at right now. Now the Rebbe says the Birudim are finished, which means that 288 sparks, and now we have to open our eyes. This deserves its own discussion, but briefly, we still have work to do, because opening your eyes has, apparently takes a lot of work. You, know, you can have your eyes open physically, but they're not open Beruchnis. But what it wanted to really do is just put the Holy Yitzhi Mitzrayim in so-called modern context of where we stand today. And that's why it's such a fundamental thing to say, that say by, by the Haggadah, that the, the end of Yitzhi Mitzrayim is Gula Amitiz Vashlem. That's why this end, last days of Pesach is focused on that, especially Achim Shal Pesach, is Mamish Gula. That's the Haftedah. And that's the, 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 the energy of that day, because it's the end of the process that began Yitzhiz Mitzrayim 3,335 years ago. Everyone should have a question for Elohim Pesach. Experience all the, open your eyes and see all these Bidurim that have been elevated and refined. And may we be Zecher ready to the Gula long before Pesach, for Yeraf Nisan even. And... Uh, should be a very transcendent and meaningful Pesach, and we'll see each other afterwards. A good chedesh and a good for Pesach. Thank you.